Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Good evening, everyone. So glad you're here. And special hello, good morning to those that are online. So glad that you've joined us. I'm going to jump right in. This is week uh, seven of our eight-week series called Belonging, What It Means to Be a Member uh, at VCDC. And next weekend, Andrew is going to wrap this series up. And then the following weekend, I'm going to be kicking off our 40 Days of Prayer and Fasting, our Lenten uh, series um, that will take us all the way to Easter. But before I get too far, uh, let's review our anchor scripture and quote, which we've, uh, we've gone through together every, for everyone, uh, every weekend of this series. Uh, and this is super helpful in defining the church. So let's read this together, okay? All together now. Uh, for just as each of us, there we go, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then this quote. Ding, ding. Church, church is not something we go to, but something we belong to. Hopefully, those have been helpful. I really, as this series winds down, you know, my prayer has been uh, that this series has not only been informative, but that this uh, series has also been challenging uh, to you to be more of a belonger uh, as opposed to merely an attender here at the Vineyard. So hopefully that makes sense, but, um, uh, but we'll be winding that down next week. My topic t- this weekend is going to be worshiping church, that uh, we are a worshiping church. And so to set it up, let me ask this question. What does it mean to be a member at VCDC? It means that you belong to a church that puts a very high value on worship. Uh, what do I mean by worship? Well, if you grew up in the church, <clears throat> you've heard said that word worship uh, probably many, many times. Uh, Maybe to some of you, that's a newer word. I think to most of us, the word worship just feels like an old, an old fashioned word. I, I have a vivid memory uh, from when I was a kid, the church I went to, they had a sign out front and it said on the sign, Chase Evangelical Free Church Worship Service Sunday, 10 a.m. And so when I was a kid, if they said, hey, what is it? What does worship mean? I'd say, well, I, I guess worship is the name of that service. Uh, at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, which, which is, I guess, partly correct because, uh, you know, singing, praying, studying God's word. We learned uh, last weekend giving, giving of our tithes and offerings, taking communion, uh, just loving on each other. Really, those are all forms of, of worship to God, but it, but it is much more than that. Uh, dictionary says this, worship is Reverent honor and homage paid to God or a sacred personage or to any object regarded as sacred. Now, personally, I don't find that very helpful. I actually find that a little stuffy. So here's a simpler, helpful definition that I've heard. Uh, Worship is our full life thank you to God for his goodness towards us. That sort of settles in more, doesn't it? Our full life thank you to God for his goodness towards us. So, so yes, worship is many of the things that we do uh, when we gather together uh, on the weekends, but, but it's also, and really I believe more importantly, it's, uh, it's who we are and what we do when we're not here. Like I really am convinced that the way we live our lives during the week in relationship to God uh, have direct 
impact on our level uh, of engagement and experience of him when we do gather together on the weekend. So, so today I'm talking about being a worshiping church, and, and really what I'm doing is I'm going to focus in on a key, really a foundational value of the vineyard, which is, which is worship. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in to that. So Lord, uh, thanks for, uh, just thanks for everyone that's here. Thank you for another opportunity to gather. Um, I pray that you would come close, uh, that you would teach us more about worship. Um, I pray especially for those that are online who are watching this morning. I pray for those that feel disconnected, that your presence and love would just draw them in close right now. Lord, I pray just for our brothers and sisters that are at home, that you would you just come real close this weekend. Uh, so we welcome you here. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I, for this talk, I'm going to primarily be focusing on uh, worship as we gather together, primarily our times of singing. And, and my text for this talk is a, it's a short but loaded uh, verse from a, a psalm that's found, uh, or a verse that's found in the Psalms. And it's Psalm 100. You can turn there if you want. It's page 534. Or it'll also, oh, there, it's already up there. Uh, but let me read it to you. Here's what Psalm 100 says. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, since I'm doing a talk on worship... It probably is no surprise that my text is going to be drawn from the Old Testament book of the Psalms, uh, hundreds of years before the first Christian church started in uh, the book of Acts. The nation of Israel, they used the singing of songs as part of their worship uh, to God. And the book of Psalms is a collection of songs that were written by lots of different authors, primarily uh, King David, of course. And these are songs that are written, these different authors, they basically wrote them in, as a, uh, in the midst of, as a response to the different events of their lives, just the everyday stuff of life in relationship to God. So when you look in the Psalms, there's, there's lots of Psalms of thanks and praise where it's like, God, you are awesome. Oh God, we love you. You know, there's, there's Psalms of where they're declaring their dependence on God. You know, we're going to trust you, God, and you've been faithful. And, and then there are, there are songs in the Psalms that are laments that are like, Oy vey. <laughs> like, you know, everything is falling apart. Where are you, God? And all these songs, 150 of them, you know, are combined into this one book, the book of Psalms, really the Jewish hymnal, if you will. And, and so part of their worship was that they would draw out of those 150 songs in their times of worship. So for my talk today, I want to use uh, really just one verse, simple, one verse from that Psalm 100, and it's verse four, and it says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, before I get to my first point, let me restate a question I started off with. What does it mean to be a member at VCDC? It means that you belong to a church 
that puts a very high value on worship. And, and we do that because our first point is uh, worship is part of our DNA. Here at the Vineyard, worship is part of our DNA. We belong to a movement that puts a very high value on worship. The Vineyard movement uh, started in the late 1970s in Southern California. And just to get the record straight, uh, we always say, you know, John Wimber started the Vineyard, and that's sort of true. But the actual, there were vineyard churches, a handful of vineyard churches that were started by a guy named Ken Gullickson. So we want to give him a shout out to Ken Gullickson. He started these churches, but it was John, God raised up John Wimber to step in and it became the vineyard movement and it went to become an international movement. And it's really interesting talking about worship and being such a high value in the vineyard. Uh, Before Wimber went into ministry, John Wimber was a full-time musician, he is a super ta- was a super talented musician, played multiple instruments. He was a music director for different bands. You may have heard of the Righteous Brothers. Hmm, I like that. Wow, we got some audience participation there. Hmm, I'll take that. And, uh, but but he, like, he wrote lots and lots of music. So it really is no surprise that music was a big part of the foundation of this movement. Uh, from the mid-80s, 1980s, to the late uh, 1990s, it's no exaggeration to say that the worship songs of the vineyard uh, were having great impact on, on just the understanding of worship and the expression of worship for the global church. Like on, on, on any typical sort of weekend, you would find, you know, in most churches, and I don't think this is an exaggeration, most churches on the planet who in those days had what we called a contemporary service, they would have been playing songs that were written uh, within, that came out of the vineyard movement. I believe that one of the reasons God raised up the vineyard, that you know, God put this in our DNA, was to remind and call the global church back to a place of expecting and experiencing, encountering the presence of God, especially, especially within our times of gathered worship. Uh, the movement was started, Vineyard Movement was started by a, basically a small group, a group of very weary, burned out, uh, dry Christians who were hungry for more of God. They were hungry of, for, for just for more in their, in their Christian experience. And early on, when they would gather together as a small group, they discovered something, uh, something special that happened when they would sing together. Uh, John Wimber's wife, Carol, said this. This is about the early days of the Vineyard. Here's what she said. After we started to meet in our home gathering, I noticed times during the meeting, usually when we sang, in which I experienced God deeply. We sang many songs, but mostly songs about worship or testimonies from one Christian to another. But occasionally, we sang a song personally and intimately to Jesus with lyrics like, Jesus, I love you. Those types of songs both stirred and fed the hunger for God within me. Worship was perhaps the first thing God told us to do, and then he had to teach us how. It's not new anymore, and that's good, but it sure was new to us all those years ago. God took us by the hand and taught us to walk, giving us the simple instruction to sing to him and not just about him. This was revolutionary to us, singing songs straight to Jesus. We sang love songs to Jesus, and it was this intimacy that broke us down. 
Now, what they discovered really was something that the, that the, uh, the, you know, that the church had known for centuries. And that was that God had given us music, worship music, to draw, to come close to him. Really what they discovered, what Carol Wimber was talking about is they discovered what Psalm 100 verse 4 teaches. I'll read it again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Worship songs are meant to draw us close to God. Like when you look at that verse, look at, there's movement in that verse. Right? That's not just a static, like there's, you can see there's movement. Like, and what I hear God saying in that verse is, hey, hey, my people, I don't want you to stay at a distance. Like, I want you to enter the gates of my palace, if you will. And, and in fact, I want you to come closer still. I want you to enter the, 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 uh, my courts. I want you to come right into my presence. And notice that that verse teaches us, like, like when we come into his presence, we don't come in empty-handed, do we? What do we bring into his presence? That's right. <laughs> thanksgiving. We bring thanksgiving and we bring praise. Now, there's something we can, we can learn from that. In the early days of the vineyard, uh, one of the things they learned about worship is that our worship to God, what we, what we bring into his presence is, is a response. It's a response for what he has done for us, what he has done to us. And I don't remember, I know it wasn't this service, but I don't remember which service it was. Well, it had to be on Sunday. But last weekend, during the ministry time, there was just a strong sense of God's love in the room. And I said something like this. I said, uh, God would be a cruel God. The Christian faith would be a joyless faith if our understanding was that we are the initiators and then God is the responder. And, and what I mean by that is that it just like if God is a demanding God, you must worship me. You must deny yourself and you know follow me. You must obey what I say. You must initiate. If you do that, then I will respond and love you. Well, that's that's not accurate. It's actually the other way around because we're the ones who are lost and need to be found. We're the ones who have, you know, who are wandering in the darkness and have no idea where to go. We're the ones who need to be rescued. And so it's the other way around. It starts with you and I experiencing his incredible, never-ending love for us. And then from that place, from that place of initiation, then we respond to God with our thanksgiving and with, and with, uh, and with our praise. Um, there we go. Yes, from that place that we're able to obey him, et cetera, et cetera. And, and just notice, notice in chapter four, or sorry, in verse four, that it says, uh, we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving, right? Well, think about that. Why do you say thank you to someone? Well, you say thank you to someone because they did something for you. Or they gave something to you. So it's totally a response, right? It's, our, it's, a, it's a response of our thanks. It's a response of worship. If, uh, if we're to enter his courts with praise, well, why do you praise someone? Well, it's a response, isn't it? You praise someone because they impressed you. That's, that's, that's what God is re- asking us to do, to respond with thanks to what he's done. To respond with, oh, like to be impressed at who he is and et cetera. And again, what he's done. So, so let me ask you this. Has God done anything for you this last week? Well, if he has, 
uh, then give him thanks. That's worship. Has God, has God impressed you in any way this past week? Well, if he has, then, then give him praise. That's worship. Um, if, you, if you're sitting there right now or if you're online and if you were being honest you, and you said to me, well, actually, I, I would answer both those questions with a no. Um, you know, I don't think he's done anything for me. I, or I can't think of any way that he's impressed me. You know, if, if that's where you're at, that's cool too. Because you know what? You're, you can worship God this way. Uh, to just go to him and say, God, I, I just, I can't see. I, I can't see what you've done. I'm, I, I can't see. I'm not impressed with you because I guess can't see you. Like, would you go to God and ask him, would you open my eyes? Would you tune me into your presence and your activity into my everyday life? Because I believe that is also worship. So worship, you know, his plan is to, to love on you in a very uh, creative way, in a very personal way, to initiate with you. And then our response is to worship him. Uh, so our worship is a response. But when I say that, when I say that, I don't mean our worship is passive. Like we just, you just need to come in and sit in your chair and like, well, when he moves me, I'll worship. Right? Or if the band plays my favorite song the way I like it, <laughs> then I'll worship. Like, listen to this quote. Uh, worship is a verb. It denotes activity and action. It is not passive, but active. Worship is something you do, not something that is done to you. And it is something you must do. No one else can do it for you. You can be in a place where worship occurs, but that doesn't mean that you have worship. Worship is, it's, it's a verb. Worship is active. And here's, here's where I believe many of us, and, we'll, and, and early on in the vineyard, where, where many of us struggle when it comes to worship. And here's what I mean. Like, early on in the vineyard, you know, they're, they're starting to experience God's presence and they're being stirred inside with emotions and strong feelings. And, you know, all this stuff is getting stirred up, like emotions, passion. But what they discovered was they didn't know what to do with those emotions. They didn't know how to respond to God's presence with them. They didn't know how to worship him. So my second point is this, very simple. Uh, worship is something we need to learn. It's something we need to learn. Like, like, you know, here in the early days of the vineyard, there, you know, there's all this amazing stuff going on, but they needed to be taught how. Carol Wimber said that. She said that in her quote, right? She said that God had to teach us about worship and teach us how to worship. And so I was thinking about this, you know, this whole thing of worship is something we need to learn. And I was thinking about my talk and I had this thought and I sort of said, I thought to myself, self, you know, when I think back on my uh, relationship with Jesus, you know, I, I, when I was five years old, I said, I, I, I said yes to Jesus and I got a prize. And then I would say when I was a teenager was when I really said yes uh, to Jesus. But when I, you know, thinking back on that, I would say pretty much every activity or every, you know, uh, discipline of the Christian faith, I have, I've needed, I, I've need, I had to have someone teach me and then I had to implement what I was taught in order to learn how to do that. Does that make sense? Right. So it's like, so that's, you know, you say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I mean, you know, a lot of questions, but I believe in you. Jesus, I want to follow you. And, and that's awesome. And the Bible says when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, that he comes and he fills you with the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery, but God comes to live in you, to now teach you and work in your life and all this amazing stuff. But even with all that, 
consider that for the rest of your life, even, you know, you're in a relationship with Jesus, the spirit of God lives with you. Even, you know, with all that, you and I will spend the rest of our lives learning how to follow Jesus. Like just because you get your license doesn't mean you know everything about driving. I sure, I sure didn't. Like, or just because you get married doesn't mean, oh yeah, we got this. No, it's, it's a lifelong, a lifetime of, of learning. Well, it's the same with following Jesus. You know, there's a story in the Bible where, I think it's in two of the Gospels, where the disciples came to Jesus and basically they said something like this, like, hey, Jesus, you know, we've been watching you uh, and you're going off praying all the time. Jesus, we don't know how to pray. Will you teach us how to pray? And that's when he teaches them our father and teaches them how to pray. And, you know, and I was thinking about that. And I think, you know, I'm sure you would agree with this, that my prayer life today is very different from 20 years ago. Why is that? That's because I've learned more about prayer, right? Like my, uh, the, way I, the way I read the Bible has changed a lot in the last 10, 20 years. Why is that? Well, that's because I have learned more about this book, right? I've learned more about it. Um, uh, hearing God's voice. I, I hear God's voice way clearer now than I did many years ago. Why? It's, you know, uh, it's because I've learned. I've learned how to recognize when it's him and when it isn't. Andrew talked about, you know, being a giving and generous church. You know, my understanding about giving has changed over the years. My, you know, my desire to be more generous has grown over the years. Why is that? Well, it's because I've learned more about giving and I've, I've really, I've learned more about the faithfulness of God to provide our needs. But, but, but all this, you know, all of the stuff we do in the Christian life, we've had to learn it all, haven't we? Isn't that true? Oh, look like you're nervous, but you're not committing to anything, but, but other than an answer, but, but it's no different in worship. It's something that we need to learn how to do. And I think in some ways, worship comes very natural because I believe God, when he made you, he wired it into you. You are hardwired to respond to him. It's in you. Uh, uh, so in some ways, it's very natural, but in other ways, it feels very foreign. And I think uh, many of us can relate to the struggle experienced in the early days of the vineyard where you know, they feel thanks, they feel praise and all these emotions, uh, but they don't know how to let it out. Right, and I, 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 you know, think about this. We are not a singing, bowing, emoting culture, at least not in here. In other places, oh yeah, yeah, right. But, but when it comes to church, most of us are not used to, you know, expressing our emotions um, in church. Most of my memories as a kid growing up, if you were raised in the church, like most of my memories were, shh, sit still, stop fidgeting, leave your brother alone. Put that fire out. You know, it's kind of like, like and, and now here I am today going, come on, would you loosen up? Are you kidding me? I can't hear you sing. Why are you so quiet? Like, would somebody please start fidgeting? You know, it's kind of like you're getting this reverse. But, you know, we need to learn how to worship. We need to learn how to do it. Early on in the vineyard, they discovered that not only singing directly to God, right, uh, made a huge difference in their, in their worship. They also discovered that when we engage our bodies, it makes a big difference in our worship. 
And again, this is something the church, the, the Jewish people, they've known this for, for, for centuries. They've known this, that the need to engage or really the natural flow of engaging our voices in worshiping God and our bodies. Like, and so it's not only natural, it's necessary. And really, and I find this very helpful, all these things are biblical. Like it's biblical to be expressive in worship. The Psalms are loaded with examples of worship. Uh, Psalm 47.1, come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. Psalm 95, come let us sing to the Lord. Come let us worship and bow down. Psalm 134, lift your hands toward the sanctuary and praise the Lord. 149, praise his name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. We need to remind ourselves, what I'm talking about is not just some wacky Pentecostal thing, right? It's not like those guys, you know, the crazy uncle. Like it's, it's not just a vineyard thing, it's a biblical thing. And it's something we all need to learn. It's something we're all invited into, whether you are an introvert or an extrovert. It's something that we all need to learn. And you know, I know that this was totally my experience. I, I've, you know, I had a more uh, traditional church upbringing. And just to be honest, I used to, um, with my brothers, I, I, I can remember making fun of people who were expressive in worship. I remember, I've always been a mimicker. I could mimic and mock people like crazy. We would put on services in the living room. And I won't even tell you what we would say. And I can't believe my parents who are listening. Uh, but, but then in my late teen years, I go to the vineyard. And, and I think for the first time in my life, I start to experience intimate worship. Where it's like, it's, it's like I'm not just singing about him. Now boom, it's face to face singing to him. And and, I, and, you know, I didn't really know if I'm sure I experienced it before, but for the first time, I'm becoming more and more aware of the presence of God and of his love for me. And, you know, uh, uh, I found all these emotions and all this, all these deep feelings and all this stuff getting stirred up inside me. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, what, what do I do? What do I do with with all this. And I remember one, uh, one weekend, I was in my early 20s, and it was uh, early in the morning. The band, we'll flip it around, you know, the band was on the stage and they were rehearsing for the service. And I was standing at the back wall, you know, the church is empty. I'm standing at the back wall with my good friend Hugh, who's from Wales. And so Hugh and I are standing at the back. And we're listening to the music, and, and the band was rehearsing a brand new song that some of you will remember by a guy named Kevin Prosh. And it was called His Banner Over Me Is Love. Beautiful song. And we're standing in the back just watching them. We weren't standing like this, but it feels kind of cool. But we're standing in the back, and we're listening to this song, and all of a sudden in my chest, my heart just starts pounding as I'm listening to this simple song about the incredible love of God. And it's, you know, and Hugh wouldn't have known it, but I thought, I think my heart is going to come ripping out of my chest. And all of a sudden, Hugh, my, my friend from Wales, Hugh reaches over and he slaps his hand in my chest. And he said these words. He said, Lord, release the warrior dance. And he said, release the warrior dance. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I took off. And you know what the warrior dance was? I started to do this. 
I started skipping around the room like a little boy. I even had an invisible flag that I was waving. And I don't know why I was doing that. It just came out of me. It just came out of me. And I'm, you know, I'm jumping around the band. I mean, I knew everybody and they knew me. They're like, what's up with Hanson? You know, so I'm, and I'm going all around the whole room. And as I'm going, tears start going down my cheeks. And this little cry suddenly turns into a wail. And I'm, ooh, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm having a breakdown or something. And all of a sudden, after a little bit, I started to laugh and laugh. And I was skipping and jumping and waving whatever I was waving. And I was laughing my head off. I was overflowing with a joy I've never felt before. Well, what's going on? Well, it wasn't nine o'clock in the morning yet, if you get that reference. But what was going on was, remember when I talked about the kingdom of God, the now and the not yet, I was getting a taste of the kingdom of God. I was getting a dose, a wonderful dose of the now. And you know what? When I think back on that time for just a little window, I knew I was a prince. I knew that my father is the king of all kings. And I knew that he was with me and that I was safe. And I knew that he loved me. And I knew that he was looking upon my boyish dance. And he was very pleased with me. He was very pleased with my worship of him. And you know, when I look back on that, and in that moment, I learned something very crucial, very important about worshiping God. Jesus said this in Matthew 18. He said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, when you look at that, you're like, whoa, Jesus. I see you've drawn a line in the sand. That's pretty strong language, Jesus. Like, like, what, like, you know, unless you change, maybe your Bible says, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll never experience the kingdom of heaven. Well, what, what is he saying? Well, uh, for today's talk, I believe what he's saying is, uh, there is an incredible need for a childlike faith and a childlike imagination in order to enter into the activity and reality of God's mostly invisible kingdom that is here with us right now. Uh, Walt Disney said this, every child is born blessed with a vivid imagination, but just as a muscle grows flabby with disuse, so the bright imagination of a child pales in later years if he or she ceases to exercise it. Like, you know, I, I, if you lead worship with the kids, like kids are just so amazing. Hey, kids, why don't you open your hands as a posture of receiving? Because God's going to come and he's going to give you something. Kids are like, awesome. God's here. He's going to give us something. They're just like, bring it on. I mean, there's just that, that's something so beautiful about children, right? They have that, that, that faith and that incredible imagination. Well, here's something I want to challenge us with. You know, the, the truth is you are already... I mean, I don't know everyone in the room, but I would say most, most of the people in the, in the room and online, you're already putting this into practice. You're already using a childlike faith. You're already using a childlike imagination in your relationship with God. And what I mean is every time you pray, you are, you are talking to, you are talking with an invisible God. 
right? You're, you're putting into action your faith, that childlike faith and that childlike imagination. Because here's what I know. When you're praying and talking to God, you, you aren't just talking with him in those times of prayer. You are experiencing his presence. Okay, I know not all the time, but many times. You're experiencing his presence. You're experiencing his comfort, his counsel, his correction. Like, is that true when you pray? How many of you? Put your hand up real high because I want everyone to see this. Okay, okay. So, like, that didn't just happen, right? You've learned how to do that. You've learned how to pray to an invisible God, how to believe that he is there, whether you see it or feel it, right? You've learned how to do that, to believe in and interact with his presence. Uh, it's the same with worship. Why don't we have the worship team come on back? It's the same with worship, but now, now it's learning how to respond to God. It's learning how to engage our voices and our bodies to worship our invisible God who's here with us. Because, you know, I, here's what I know, because we're wired for this. If we got that much, like a, a, just a glimpse of the glory of God right now, we would destroy our brand new carpet. It would be, we would scotch guard it. You know what I mean? We'd scotch guard it. Like we would all be on our faces. Ooh, we, we, there'd be some wailing in there. Like, I mean, it would just be a chaos. It'd be wonderful chaos if we just got a glimpse. Well, the truth is, whether you see it or not, whether you feel it or not, God is here with us. And so what I want to challenge us with is, it's, is to engage that childlike faith and that childlike imagination. Because we believe he's here, we sing to him. We bow to him. We lift our hands to him. We shout, we dance. We don't play tambourines. We leave that to the band. But, but we respond to, we respond to his invisible presence that is here with us. So why don't we stand up? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.